Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. But uh, I'm, I'm excited for tonight. I'm going to stay on theme uh, with Yahweh. Uh, but tonight I'm going to talk about uh, uh, God, the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit. You guys all right with that? Okay, all right. Well, we need the presence of God here tonight. Now, I, I'll tell you, I, I know that the presence of God is here because when we're here corporately, there's a promise that where two or three are gathered, he's there with us. And so I, I, I want to acknowledge that, but I really want to kind of press in to the presence of God in your life as the believer, in your intimate life, in your personal life. And really, that's the angle in which I want to go here. But uh, uh, so, so here's, here's my question to all of us is, when was the last time you felt the presence of God, for real, the presence of God in your life? Now, again, I know that you could walk into this church and the presence of God is evident. I mean, the, the, the weight of the glory of God is here. So, I, so I, I acknowledge that. I know that. In fact, uh, that's probably why many of us are so eager to get into church because you feel the collective faith and, and, and the glory of God in the house of God. Is that right? Okay. So the question, believer, is when was the last time you felt the presence of God in your life, in your home, in your workplace, in your car? Now, I don't mean that like in some intellectual kind of idea. I, I'm not asking you that theologically. We, we, we understand that. Uh, we understand all this stuff kind of technically. Um, and so really, I'm not asking you if you know the Holy Spirit uh, in your mind, but I'm asking you if you've experienced the Holy Spirit. If you, are you experiencing the power of God in your life? And so we know the fact that God is present because he's omnipresent. So he's everywhere. Um, so, we, so we understand that. But what I'm talking about is this intimate relationship, this intimate sense of the presence of God in your life personally. Is the presence of God in your home? Is the spirit of worship and praise in your home? So I want to ask you this and just think, just think about this. When was the last time that God revealed himself to you personally? When was the last time that happened? Another question, how did you feel to be in the presence of God? How did that feel? How did you respond? Did you tell the Holy Spirit, hey, you know, give me some time. I'm, I got to wrap up this text message or I got to finish getting through my TikTok scrolls. That is endless, uh, you know, I need to get through my, my uh, Instagram story. How did you respond? Did you take time and acknowledge the impression of the Holy Spirit on your life, tugging on you, asking for your attention, your undivided attention? And see, many of us will live our entire lives thinking that the, Ho the Holy Spirit, that God is there, but just somewhere. Like, we know that God is here, but he doesn't feel really close to me. And we go our entire lives thinking that, that God is just going to keep us at arm's distance and never really experiencing the power and the fire of God in our lives. 
We're never going to acknowledge the fact that God is here with us in the room, sitting next to us as we're lifting our hands and standing, that the presence of God is there, the Holy Spirit is standing there, just desiring your attention and wanting to be there with you. Again, there's many, there's many of us that live our lives technically and kind of mechanically in religion, understanding that, yes, the preacher said that the Holy Spirit is there with me and that uh, because I'm a believer, I'm a carrier of the glories. Like We understand this stuff kind of in our head or intellectually, but it's not evident experientially or in our lives. We say things like this, and not out, li- out loud because we know that it would be incorrect or uh, heresy, but th- we say things like this to ourselves is that God doesn't love me enough to reveal himself to me personally. God knows me too well to want to be close to me. And so we disqualify ourselves and we say these things in our minds and kind of disqualify ourselves from being a recipient of God's empowering presence in our lives. Now, there's some worshipers in this, in this place, and we know that there's something that happens to us when we become aware of God's presence. Something moves us. Something begins to move in us and kind of, kind of bubble up in us when we're aware of the presence of God. And I, I want us to look at David just real quick, one, one scripture. Now, I, I want to I ground this in King David. Now, King David uh, is a man after God's own heart, yes? Yes, okay. But King David is also an adulterer, yes? King David is a murderer. King David, in fact, is a hitman. Yet this was a man after God's own heart. Now let me, let me explain to you, let me show you how he, how he framed the presence of God. Psalms 42, 1 through 5, if you've got your Bibles, you could turn there or click there. It says this, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God, When can I go and stand before him? He desires to be in the presence of God. Verse 3, day and night, I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked about among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. And so here's David. He's, He's recalling and he's desiring the help of God. He's desiring the presence of God. It says that uh, he's longing for the presence of God like a deer after the waters. And I have an English bulldog at home. And when Lola, when we take her walking, uh, she starts to breathe real heavy. Her tongue is hanging out. And uh, when we bring her back, literally just around the block, when we bring her back, she beelines to her water and she's thirsting for that water because she needs that refreshment. 
And I believe that this is really the spirit of David is that he's longing, he's so desperate for the presence of God that he wants nothing else but to be in his presence. And I think about us, I'm going to put us, I'm going to put me in, in, in the group with us here. How often are we distracted? How often do we go days, if not weeks, if not months, without setting aside a time, setting aside a time for devotion and connecting with the Holy Spirit? I'll ask you this. Did you have your time of devotion today? Or did you miss it and say you're too tired and that you'll get to it later? Or I'm going to church. Or I'll do it tomorrow. And tomorrow turns into next week and next week to next month. And we live this life of powerless Christianity that perpetuates in our lives. Now, this is a fact that God desires that every one of us be aware of his presence. And if you think about it for a moment, as you think about the characters in the Old Testament throughout the Bible, quite honestly, and how God worked in their lives. So let's look at Moses. In Moses, Exodus 3, this is the calling of Moses. And uh, this is the burning bush. We all saw the movie, right? And so here's Moses in chapter 3. And God calls him at the burning bush. Now listen to this. Moses didn't understand what was going on at the moment. In fact, he was scared. He was perplexed. He was confused. And it wasn't until he realized that it was the voice of God speaking to him. And listen to what he says here in verse 12. It says, God answered, this is most important. And I believe that, someone, I believe that many of us need to hear this tonight. This is what God said. God answered, I will be with you. And I just want to pause right there and declare that to you. Is that God is with you. Whatever situation that you're in, whatever you're facing in your life, God is with you. The empowering presence of God, the fire of the Holy Spirit is with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Now, in this context, for, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it all, but this is where Moses starts questioning God about standing before Pharaoh, the most powerful man in all of Egypt, and giving him the demand or the order of let my people go. And so here it is that God calls Moses a man that is on the run, that is inadequate, incapable. And God says, I'm going to use you, Moses, to go and be the deliverer of my people. And Moses tells God, there's no way. And I wonder how many people here that God has spoken to you and God has given you clear vision or clear direction. Maybe it was in your time of prayer and devotion. Maybe it, it came by way of a connect group leader or maybe a leader in the church or maybe a friend that came and gave you a word of encouragement and said, you know what, I just believe that God is impressing this on me to share with you this thing that actually confirms exactly what God has spoken to you. Yet we say, how can I do it? There's no way that I could do it. Now here God is, God, here God is that God reminds him not only of who he is, God is all powerful. God is the miracle worker. God is able to do all things abundantly better than we could ever imagine. Not only that, 
Not only who he was, but that he'd be with him as he goes. And so many times we cower back in the things that God has called us to do because we're thinking about how am I going to do this in myself? And God had to remind Moses that I'll be with you, that I'm capable, and that I'll walk with you through this. Now Moses goes on to tell God how incapable or how inadequate he was. Does this sound familiar to anybody? I, I, I can't talk good. I, I, can't, I can't share with my coworkers because I don't know what to say. I can't, I, can't, I can't step up or I can't speak out because, you know, I'm kind of not living the right way. And so we cower in these situations when God says that he'd be with us and that he'd help us. And so Moses goes on to tell God, God, I'm incapable. I stutter. Uh, don't put a mic in front of me because I'm just going uh, to fall apart. And so here it is. Moses says it in Exodus uh, chapter 4, verse 10 through 12. It says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. How many of us make that kind of excuse? Like, I've never been good at that. I never will be. I'm definitely not good now. And so go look for someone else. Someone asks you to be a part of a ministry, whatever it is, maybe in the kids' church or something like that. Oh, no, I don't, I don't do kids. I don't do kids. I'm not good with kids. Right? <laughs> I never have been. <laughs> and I'm not now. Listen to this. This is, this is Moses talking to God. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Even though you've spoken to me audibly. When is the last time God spoke to you audibly? Raise your hand. I want to, God has spoken to you audibly. Oh, oh, we actually have a couple. Oh my goodness, audibly. You heard the voice of God. I'm not talking about an impression. I'm saying the voice of God. Audibly, yes? Yes, my goodness. Uh, not yet. Maybe I'll have you pray for me. But I'll, I'll say this. I'm not questioning that, but I'll say this. Most of us have not heard the audible voice of God. So here's Moses, the audible voice of God. Moses, my servant, go and do this. I'm going to be with you. And don't worry about what to say because when you get there, I'm going to speak through you. No, not me. I'm not good at that. Never have been, never will be. Find someone else. Sounds like a believer. Maybe not a reach church paramount, but maybe up the street. Verse 11, then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Verse 12. Now go. Why don't you turn to someone and say, now go. Don't leave, but go and do what God told you to do. Verse 12, now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. And so God needed Moses to be very aware of his presence. Now he came to him and spoke to him audibly. If that happened to me, I would like to believe that I would respond positively in that, and I would say, okay, well, that's my sign. Let's go. 
God needed Moses to be very aware of his presence. And we see Moses then takes this experience. Now, this, I, I want you to catch this, that he had an experience with God. We can say potentially that through, this, through the burning bush and through that experience, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, was speaking to him and giving him direction and giving him a promise that he'd be with him wherever he goes. Now, Moses experienced that. He walked through that. He experienced many miracles in his, in his time and walking with the Lord and taking him at his word. And so he takes that experience and that faith and imparts that into Joshua. Now, here in, uh, here in De Deuteronomy chapter 31, it says this, Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. For you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you, and he will neither fail you nor abandon you. Now, how is Moses able to speak so confidently in this? Well, could it be that he saw the deliverance of God? Could it be that he saw a situation that there was, there was no way out? The Red Sea in front of him, Pharaoh behind him, and God split the sea, and he walked through. Time and time and time again, cloud of fire, pillar, oh, manna, all these different things that Moses experienced. He's now standing in confidence and infusing this faith into Joshua. Now listen to this. Moses' confidence, Joshua's confidence. Their only confidence of being fearless and being courageous was this simple fact that God was with them. They, they had no special assurances other than God was going to be with them. Now, this wasn't because they were great warriors, although I'm sure there were some great warriors in their army. It wasn't because they had a vast army. It wasn't because of their giftedness or talent. It wasn't because of their diligence or excellence. It was simply because they had the presence of God. Now I wonder for you, believer, for me, God has spoken to us, God has commissioned us, and God has given us the promise of the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to do whatever it is that God has called each and every one of us to do. And I wonder if we could have the same confidence, not in ourselves, not in our talent, not in our ability, not in our education, but our firm confidence that God is all I need. That with the power of the Holy Spirit living in me, indwelling, empowering me, directing me, and showing me the way, nothing more than the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in my life, I could go and do what God has called me to do. Do we live with that same confidence? Question. Now look at what God tells, Josh, tells Joshua. God said, 
Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land, and uh, you will be on land I have given you from the Negev wilderness to the south to the Lebanon mountains of, in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. Verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses, and I will not fail you or abandon you. And so God gives Joshua this further instruction and tells him three times after that, if you read through this, to be strong and courageous. Why does he tell Joshua to be strong and courageous? I'm going to... I'm going to just go out on a limb here because Joshua felt weak and discouraged. It's impossible. How can I do what you're telling me to do? Look at this ragtag army. I don't have the resources to do what you call me to do. And three times God tells him to be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I'm telling some people here tonight, Whatever it is that you're facing, your, whatever the situation in your relationships, in your family, with your children, uh, your, your, your medical condition, whatever it is, God's promise is that he'll be with us, that he'll go before us, that he'll never fail us, he'll never abandon us, that he's telling us tonight to be strong and courageous, and I I stand with you that there are times in my life that I've felt weak and discouraged. I felt like I can't do it. I felt like, I, I, I would ask myself this question, is it worth it? Anybody ever ask themselves that question? Is it worth it? Be strong and courageous. Joshua 1.9, don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, there's a similar promise in the New Testament, and this is Jesus, and he says this in Matthew. He says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. A similar statement in Hebrews 13, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And so it's of utmost importance that we acknowledge that anytime God has called anyone to do anything, he has empowered him by the power of the Holy Spirit to complete, and he gives them the promise that he'll be with them. So whatever God's called you to do, whatever God has put on your heart to do, understand that God has empowered you by the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish what he's, what he's set out for you to do. And so why has God gone through these great lengths to remind all of us that he'll be with us? I suggest to you that God desires to have an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. And the way he does that is through fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Billy Graham said this, the Holy Spirit illuminates the minds of people, makes us yearn for God and takes uh, spiritual truth and makes it understandable to us. How many of us have 
in a moment where you've, you're reading or someone says something to you and the Holy Spirit quickens something into you and it's revelation. In that moment, you just things just become clear, crystal clear in that moment. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that's in your life. And so the Holy Spirit is the most powerful, is one of the most powerful parts of who God is for the believer. And we need him in our life as an instrument to become who God has created us to be. And through his power, we have help in all situations. Listen to this. Without him, we are powerless. So yesterday was 4th of July. And uh, I'm sorry, not yesterday. The 3rd of July, so Monday, we were getting ready for a block party. You guys have fun on 4th of July? I, we had a blast in Lakewood. We had a block party. You guys didn't have fun? Oh, my gosh. I asked the question. So we're getting ready. We're setting it all up, and we've got to clear cars and all that kind of stuff, right? And I have this, I have an older, older vehicle that we don't drive often. And uh, we washed it, and so we pushed it out, like, to, towards the street, kind of off the driveway. And uh, the battery was dead. And so we had, to, we had to move it back up the driveway, but, you know, there's kind of an incline. And so... Um, I go to the gym, so I'm not the strongest person, so no one try to come and, like, challenge me, okay? But I go to the gym, so I'm, I'm, I'm fit to a certain degree. And then I have a 15-year-old, and he, you know, he's pretty fit. And so we said, hey, we'll just get behind this thing and push it up. And I'm here to tell you that we did not move that, that, that vehicle at all. <laughs> I, mean, I was out there. I looked like a fool. I, I was just, like, sweating and just giving it all my effort, and nothing, it was not moving. And so we had a call AAA. AAA came out. And it's interesting that, you know, just with a little bit of a charge that that car started right up. And I thought about that. I thought about as a believer, many of us could be like just dead, just like dead weight. And, you know, the, the, the preacher's up here. He's trying, to, he's trying to preach you out of your funk. You know, the pastor's, you know, trying to counsel you, try to get you out of your own way. Uh, your connect group leader's trying to encourage you and, and kind of just get you going. And, and, and none of that's working. I mean, we're just, we're just stuck. And then the Holy Spirit could be like that, like that AAA charger, just get you going. And I mean, that thing started right up. And I'm, I'm thinking about that tonight, that, you know, without him, without the Holy Spirit, we are powerless. Think about my Jeep, just kind of stuck there. Just no one can move it. So I asked a few people, I asked some people that I love, that I admire, I asked them uh, one simple question. I said, hey, what... What do you want, what is, in one statement, what do you want every single believer to know? All right, so I asked Diga Hernandez. Anybody know Diga Hernandez? I figured he would be a, he would be a good place to start. So I, so I asked Diga, and he said this, as a believer, this is one thing that, that, he, that he wants every believer to know. As a believer, you already have it, and just need to, number one, or A, believe so every believer in this room, you have the Holy Spirit in you. So the first thing is you have to believe. And the second thing is that you have to live right for it to take effect. That's pretty simple. I asked my brother-in-law, Stephen Moctezuma, with the olive oil voice. You guys, you guys, uh, <laughs> that boy is anointed. We were at his studio. The studio is beautiful in Texas. DHM, is do, they're doing just awesome things for the kingdom. But we were in the studio, and, and Steve was there, and Diga's taking us around, and it was beautiful. And, uh, and Ishmael, their, their uh, pianist, was there. 
and uh, and he was fooling around. And, and Stephen said, "You know what? If I have if my mic is here and set up, it's just playing. I'll, I'll just sing something for for you." There's a there's a handful of us there, and the moment this man opened his mouth, well, it started playing. The moment this man opened his mouth, the presence of God just poof, in a moment. It was awesome. This is what he said. He said, every fear, doubt, frustration, and lie can be washed away by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll say that one more time. Every fear, every doubt, every frustration, and lie can be washed away by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now my good friend, Rob Santiago, he says this about the Holy Spirit. The joy of the transformation that it brings. So it's the transformative work of the Holy Spirit. And he says this, you think you don't want it, but once you experience it, there's that word again, you know you need it. That's a good statement. And then I asked the lead pastor, Pastor Omar, I love what he said. He said, this is the one statement that he wants every believer to know as it relates to the Holy Spirit. He is God in you. He is comforter. He is sustainer. He is your GPS if you lose your way. He is empowerment. And he said this, you can't walk this life of faith without him. And I thought about that. I thought about how many of us are walking this life of faith with religion, with your own understanding, honestly, with your own folk religion and just weird thinking, and trying to navigate through this life without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the question is, who is the Holy Spirit? And I'll tell you this just quickly, just, just three things, okay? The, first of all, four things, actually. First of all, our first encounter with the Holy Spirit is when he convicts us of our sin. So let me ask you this. Here, here's just, you want to check to see if you've got the Holy Spirit in you? When you sin, not if, okay? When you sin, is there conviction? The Holy Spirit shows us that none of us can live up to the righteousness of Jesus and reveals to us the judgment that is coming to those who die without a Savior. And as we repent and confess our sins and receive the gift of salvation, the Holy Spirit regenerates our dead inner human spirit, which now becomes sensitive to the spiritual things of God. That's the Holy Spirit. You become dead to the things of the flesh and alive to the things of the Spirit. The second work of the Holy Spirit is when He baptizes the believer. And understanding that this baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to, to everyone. And it's a gift of empowerment to help each and every one of us live a holy life. You want to live a holy life? Get the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can't do it on your own. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, the helper, we, come, we become more and more like Jesus. And we're, direct, we're directed towards the Father's will in each and every one of our lives. So here it is, the Holy Spirit as 
our helper. John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For, I do, if I, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so when I think of the Holy Spirit, I think of him as God with us, helping us, empowering us to live a life that's flourishing and radiates the goodness of God in our lives. And so as my flesh fights for control, how many of you have your flesh that fights for control? Am I the only one? Okay, all right, there's some of you out there. It's the spirit that steps in and helps me to be who God created me to be. So in my flesh, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do the right things, but they're not always the God things. And so the spirit steps in and gives direction and clears out my selfish ambition, my own personal fleshly desires, and helps me to be who God created me to be. So when you're feeling powerless or tired, or like you're failing at life, each and every one of us as a believer can have confidence that the power of the Holy Spirit is here to help us, that he is the power that sustains us. He energizes us, and he keeps us on the right path. The next thing is that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says, But you were washed and you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so sanctified means that we're set apart for a sacred cause. Now I'm here to tell you that if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you've been set apart not for a useless cause or not for a, a worthless cause, but you've been set apart for a sacred holy cause. Now, it's hard for us to believe that because we've heard a lot of things in our lives that we're not going to amount to anything or that uh, we've gone too far or we're too broken to be helped. But I'm here to tell you that God has set us apart for a sacred cause, for a holy cause, and that's to do his will here on earth. And so the Holy Spirit wants to help us in this process of sanctification, and that's to die to our old self and be all that God created us to be. As you, as you fight and you fight this tension of the, uh, with the Holy Spirit in your life to do the things that you used to do or say the things that you used to say or act the way that you used to act, the power of the Holy Spirit is there to pull us back and to set us straight. The last thing, and this is in closing, is that the Holy Spirit gifts us for others. The Holy Spirit empowers us or enables us or gifts us for others. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, the Bible says this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. They are different kinds of, they, they are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. And another, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit 
who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now I have an illustration here. I ask you to bear with me, okay? So I have these gloves, okay? And let's, don't judge me, okay? I have these gloves. And let's just say that these are work gloves, okay? This is actually a hunting glove. It was a gift. They're actually pretty expensive. But let's just say it's a work glove, okay? So this glove was made for work, yes? Okay. So if I put that glove there and I tell it to work, what is it going to do? What if I say, try harder? I just realized I'm, I'm not including you guys in the back. Here, I'm going to put it up here. Try harder, glove. Just give it a little more oomph. Maybe, maybe the glove needs some support. Get to work, glove. Now, we understand this is foolish, right? But, but this is the believer trying to do what God has called them to do. Get to work. Go save the world. Go preach the gospel. Go perform miracles. Go prophesy in my name. Not doing much. But it's when the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit will come inside the believer and now empower it to go and do what God has called you to do. This is the same thing that God wants to do in each and every one of our lives. That in ourselves... Yeah, you might be smart. You might even be talented and gifted. But without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not doing much. And this is really my call tonight. Is that we would understand what the gift of the Holy Spirit was purpose for. Now, number one, it was the redemptive work of, of God to come into us and sanctify us and clean us and enable us to live a life that is pleasing to God. For sure, that's the purpose. But secondly, is to put the believer into action and to begin to stir up the gifts that God has given each and every one of us. And I believe tonight, I believe in the season where we're at in our church and our church is thriving. We, we've, we've just launched two new connect groups, and we're, we're looking to launch more. Uh, the, the church continues to grow. We see spiritual maturity in folks. We see leaders being raised. God is moving. And so in this season, I believe that the Holy Spirit is wanting to breathe on some believers and, and to get us, kind of set us into motion. No more sitting on the sidelines. No more just kind of waiting to be moved. But that would be, we begin to pursue the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives intimately, personally. Yes, corporately, this is great. We're going to come together and faith is high and the presence of God is here. And we have Omar, Pastor Omar, leading us and 
worship and bringing heaven down to earth. We, we got that. But how are you doing, believer? Is your life filled and vibrant with the Holy Spirit? Do me a favor. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.